0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith, along with Missions Pastor David Stewart, will continue with our series called 40 Days of Love. Today, we'll be discussing four different ways to love. In the book of John, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. Today's message is entitled, Loving Like Jesus Loves Me.
1: I really believe that this is probably the most significant series that we've done in the history of our church. Because the Bible says that Jesus said, that they will know that they are my followers by their love. You know, this week I put up on Facebook, I asked the question, I said, how do you best learn? How do you best learn? And I had a, actually I had quite a few responses. I had some people respond here from our church, but other friends also respond. And one friend of mine, he's an evangelist, his name is Sam Farina. He said, all of us learn differently. I'm able to read and use, but watching a model works well also. Zach Anderson, our own Zach Anderson, said, uh, do as I say, not as I do, never works. It's not quite, he's working on that one still there. And uh, Cheryl uh, Mitleiter said, my learning style absolutely frustrates me because it takes away all my independence. No matter how hard I try to learn from research, reading, and manuals, I only get it if someone walks through with hands-on teaching. Uh, Katrina Moon said, reaching the reading the directions, which I never do. So I live in a constant state of confusion. Someday I'll learn. Everyone has different learning styles. We all learn in different ways. But the fact is, we all learn best by modeling. Now yesterday, uh, several of us went to the golf course, and our own Pastor Glenn is a very good golfer. So every time he would get up there to take a swing, I would watch the way that he had swing. Because when he swings, the ball actually goes forward in the right direction. And so I wanted to follow someone that knows how to play so that I could learn to play the game of golf better. We all learn by modeling. And Jesus modeled for us the very best way to live life. And that was to love. So we're going to look at love this morning. We're going to really learn how that we can love in four different ways this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34. You know, we also learn best not only when we see other people do it, but when we write it down. There's something powerful about writing down what you hear. So everyone needs to get a pen. Everyone needs to get the notes so you can follow along. It'll help just imprint it in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit today. John chapter 13, verse 34. Let's read this scripture verse together. John chapter 13, verse number 34. Jesus, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I loved you. Now let's look at the next verse. John chapter 13, verse 15. John chapter 13, verse number 15. Let's read it together. I have given you example to follow. Do as I have done for you. Let's pray. Father, in these next few minutes, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that every heart here will be open to hear and to receive the truth of your word. God, that you created us, made us, fashioned us. You desire for us to be a people who not only love, but we also experience love, your love. I pray today, Lord, that your word will not return void. I pray that the hearts and ears of the hearers will be able to hear. But, God, that you will also use me and use the mouth that I have to speak this truth. God, we need you today. We welcome your presence here. We thank you that you are here to heal. You're here to deliver. You're here to set the captive free, and I ask this now, Jesus, in your mighty name, and everyone said, amen. The first thing I want you to see about love is that I must accept others like Jesus accepts me. I must accept others like Jesus accepts me. Followers of Jesus ought to be the greatest example of accepting other people on the planet followers of Jesus ought to be the greatest example of accepting people who are not like us on the planet. Now, the sad thing is that this isn't always the case. As a matter of fact, followers of Jesus many times are accused of being bigoted. They're accused of being not very kind. They're accused of being mean. And many times, although I think that it's just the work of the enemy, bringing slander against the believer, I think sometimes the shoe fits. I think many times the followers of Christ become extremely judgmental of people who are not like them. And as we really look at this model and this example of love, we're going to see that Jesus loves people. Jesus accepts other people just the way that they are. You know, when you were a kid, someone put you down. When you were a child, someone said something mean to you. And we've all experienced that. We've all experienced rejection by words and by deeds of other people. And so we live so much of our life trying to be accepted and not being rejected. We try to live so much of our life to to be accepted by other people. And so we do all kinds of things. When you're young, you know, you listen to all kinds of strange music. You do all kinds of stupid things. When you're a kid, I remember when I was about six or seven years of age, we were all hanging out in the neighborhood, and we climbed up on my neighbor's roof. And one of the real bright guys about the age of 10, he dared everyone to jump off the roof. Now, you know, when you're 6, 7 years old and the, 10, the coolest kid on the block is daring you to jump off the roof, it's sometimes it's hard not to want to do that. Isn't that right? You want to be accepted. And so you do stupid things, like jumping off roofs. And then you break your ankle and you have to call your mom and she has to leave work. And my mom says, if I have to leave work and your ankle ain't broken, I'm going to break it when I get there. I mean, you know, you're just, you know, you're like stuck and you want to be accepted by people. And we don't want to experience rejection. No one wants to be rejected. We all want to be loved. We all want to experience love. And today, God wants you to know that He loves you. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 6, verse 37. The Father gives me my people. Did you hear that? The Father gives me my people. God gives you to His Son, Jesus. We use a lot of terminology the world can never understand. But the Bible calls the church. The word church means called out once. People who once were in darkness, who once were blind, who once lives were full of all kinds of hatred and sin and darkness. God calls us out of that kind of life, and he gives us a brand new life. The word is ekklesia, called out once jesus says my called out ones my father gives them to me every one of them will come to me and i will always accept them you ought to just circle that word to accept god accepts you god accepts you just the way you are i remember so clearly i remember this like it happened yesterday but i remember feeling like i couldn't go back to church because i didn't have the right clothes One of the reasons that, you know, we're dressing casual and the way that we dress and the kind of worship that we have and the kind of music that we have and all the things that we do is we want people to feel welcome. We want people to know that they're accepted. No matter what color hair they got or how many earrings or piercings or whatever people try to do in our culture to be accepted. We want to accept people. Because Jesus accepted us. Jesus didn't say, hey, go get your hair cut. Stop smoking. Stop running around. Stop doing all those things. did come to me. No. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Someone give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning. You know, we talk a lot about people accepting Jesus. I mean, we talk a lot about that. As a matter of fact, this last Wednesday night, This last Wednesday night we had 131 young people and 27 of them made first-time decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap in this place. I mean, we ought to be shouting. I mean, all of heaven is rejoicing. I mean, God is alive and at work and he's moving. The Spirit of God is here because he's welcoming people into his kingdom. see... God wants people to know that he cares about them. He's crazy about them. He loves them. But we don't always feel accepted. The harsh reality is that many of us weren't accepted by our parents. We never could meet up to a certain standard. Sometimes so much of the, our identity crisis, and our feeling of acceptance in the world, is because we never really felt accepted by our parents. Maybe we were a B student or a C student. It was never quite good enough. I've met many people that, you know, no matter what they did, it wasn't quite good enough for their dad. It wasn't quite good enough for their, for their mother. But I want to help you today. If you're trying to live your life today getting your parents' approval, you can stop. If you're trying to live your life getting someone else' approval, you can stop. Because if they haven't accepted you to this point of your life, there's a good chance they might not accept you in the future. But God accepts you. Look at this verse in Titus chapter 3. The Bible says Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. See, it's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. God wants you to know that God loves you. See, Christ Jesus accepts you completely. He loves you. You can accept someone today, though. You can accept someone today without approving of everything that they do. And that's where we get really goofed up as Christians. You see, we're supposed to love people, but then we say, okay, but they got this sin, and they do this stupid behavior, and they do these bad things, and how do we love them and still, you know, how do we accept them, but how do we not approve? And that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's really the challenging part on our relationship with God. See, God accepted you, but he didn't approve of everything he did. I mean, one of the greatest examples is found in John chapter 8. Remember, there was a woman, and she was an adulterous woman. The Bible says that when Jesus was talking to his disciples, all of a sudden, there was a crowd of men that came out, and they brought this woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought her out into the street, and they were going to stone her. They were going to kill her. You see, under Old Testament Jewish law, they had the legal right to kill an adulterer or an adulteress. As a matter of fact, there were literally hundreds of crimes in the Old Testament that could have been punishable by capital death. I mean, you know, you don't think it's that strange, folks. It wasn't that long ago in this nation that adulterers or adulterers could have been punished. Homosexuals could have been punished. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in our culture that people who didn't pay their bills would be stuck in a debtor's prison. I mean, there were lots of things in our culture that people used to be very severely, harshly judged for that today that we just kind of gloss over. We look over. But in Jesus' day, man, these guys were about keeping the law. And they bring this woman out into the street. And immediately what you see is Jesus accepting and affirming and approving the identity of this woman. I mean, he really protects her identity as a human being and her value and her worth as a woman. I mean, immediately Jesus brings this woman into the middle, and then he starts writing something in the sand, and he says, if there's anyone here that doesn't have any sin, let him throw the first stone. And then when Jesus looks up, they're all gone. They're all gone. I mean, what does Jesus say? Jesus is saying to this woman, I accept you. But in the very next sentence, he says, go and sin no more. You see, he accepted her, but he wasn't approving of her sin. See, and that's a difficult thing, to love people and not love the sin. It's a great challenge because we can come across as Christians as very judgmental. You know, we'll get two or three things figured out in our life, and we can't figure out why they can't get it figured out. You know, we'll get this area figured out, but we just completely avoid and don't look at this area of a life that isn't working. Jesus is telling the story. He's commending them to himself. In John 3, 17, the Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. You see, Jesus didn't condemn her. He protected her. He covered her. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, the way that we can really demonstrate that we love to people is by giving them focused attention by focusing our attention on them. I mentioned this last week but it just bear it's worth repeating again. You know, when we listen to people and we pay attention to people, we're showing that we value them. We're showing that we love them. When we look at someone in the eye and we listen to them even if we completely disagree with them, we're saying, "You know what? I value you. I affirm you as a person." Our culture today, there's so much vitriolic speech. There's so much, you know, I mean, especially in this whole, I mean, it isn't, it's always been this way, but sometimes we identify ourselves with political parties rather than identifying ourselves with being Christians. And that's where it gets all goofed up. And so people start lobbing huge bombs at one another and saying terrible things, shouting at one another. We got a huge problem in healthcare in America, huge problem in healthcare. I mean, it costs, we spend 16% of our GDP, and we got all these issues. And both sides, I mean, they both acknowledge that there's a problem, but no one will sit down and actually listen to one another, just throw huge bombs. And you know what happens when people start throwing bombs? No one listens. No one listens, and nothing gets accomplished. I mean, think about your marriage. Think about, you know, as a husband and a wife, you got a problem. And you're both looking at the same problem, but from two different perspectives. And so all of a sudden it starts to get a little heated in the home. And you start talking loudly to one. You're not yelling at one another yet. You're just talking loudly to one another. You're both looking at a problem, but as long as you're talking loudly to one another, neither person is listening. And guess what happens? Hurt feelings say things that you really didn't mean to say. All these kinds of things take place and the issue is the problem that you had never really gets solved. And you got to go back and then if your husband you got to oh god forgive me and then go ask for forgiveness and then hopefully you can sit down and start to talk and work through your differences. You see when you focus your attention on someone you're saying I value you. I love you. This week, this week God's saying to you, who does he want you to focus your attention on? Who is, there, who is in your life that really has been difficult for you to accept that God wants you to accept? Uh, every week we've got little assignments here. and So you've got a little blanket. You need to fill that blanket. This week I will show acceptance to who? I mean, because this is really, I mean, this is really the challenge. When we were in our small group on Friday night, and immediately we started talking about love and what love really is. And one of the guys in the group just says, man, because I got this woman in my work, and she's full of a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. And, and it's, it was causing challenges and, and his relationships, conflicts. And you experience that too. And so how do you do that? How do you accept people and affirm people? but not necessarily agree with everything they say or do. So who is God wanting you to focus in on this week? The second thing that we must do is we must forgive others like Jesus forgives me. We must forgive others like Jesus forgives me. The greatest sin in the body of Christ is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, which always produces a fruit called bitterness. Every time. It's the greatest sin. It happens over and over and over and over. And really, it's the sin of unbelief. You see, forgiving others like Jesus forgives me. Think about that. Think about how much God has forgiven you. See, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of people that really grieve me in my spirit. There's a lot of people that really tick me off. There's a lot of people, I got a saying around here, I keep a roll of duct tape right next to my chair, and you know, something's going on, just hand me the duct tape so I can just like tape my head back together. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in our life that are really, really, really challenging. Amen. Someone said amen. But the reason many times we're not able to forgive others is because we really forget how much we've been forgiven. I mean, think about it. Think about what God has done for you. Think about not only how He accepted you, but how He forgave you. I mean, you begin to evaluate and you begin to think about your own life and you begin to think about your own heart and the darkness of your own heart and the wrong thoughts and the wrong attitudes and the things that you have said or, you know, all the things you begin to think about. It, you realize, you know what? You're far from being perfect. And everyone said, Amen. But you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And one of the most awesome scriptures, I love it, it's found in Psalms 103. It says, as far as the east is from the west, I'll remember your sins no more. The prophet Isaiah says it like this in Isaiah 43, verse 25. I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sin against you. I will hold your sin against you. You think about that. See, God loves you. So love covers a multitude of sins. So when you sin, you fall short. You say, God, forgive me. He covers you. You see, the reason that some of your junk hasn't been exposed is because God loves you so much, you keep saying, God, forgive me, help me. He keeps covering you. Because He doesn't want to expose you. He only exposes the wicked. He only exposes those who are unforgiving. He only exposes those who have an unrepentant heart. But as long as you keep running after God, we're saying that I'm running after you or I'm chasing after you. I mean, as long as you keep turning your heart to God, He covers you, He loves you. That's His nature. See, who is this God that we serve? Moses said He was the I am. Moses said he was the I am who is I am. I am able to forgive and to cover. I'm able to, listen, I'm able to take that which the world says could never be used and make it into something great. I'm able to take a person even like Moses and use him for my purposes and make him valuable in my kingdom. We would never vote Moses to be the president of the United States of America. He would never make it because he killed somebody. Think about it. Moses could never become the president. Who knows? Maybe today he could be, but I mean, but think about it. I mean, can you imagine a guy that killed somebody intentionally like Moses or accidentally trying to run for president? We've actually had that happen in America. And let me tell you, people never let him forget. But you know what? God forgave Moses. God forgot all about it. God forgot all about it. That's amazing. That's hard for us to wrap our mind around. But God then raises up this man. He calls him the humblest man, the meekest man that ever lived. He uses him to write at least five books of the Bible and many of the Psalms. He gives him the law. He gives him the testimony that this revelation of Christ was to come. He gives him all these things. He shows him the promised land. He leads him and the children of Israel out of bondage into the, into the wilderness and then sets them right up at a place where they're going to go into the promised land. I mean, God works miracles and signs, and wonders, and all the things that we would say God could never do through a person who murdered, but God did it through Moses. It's amazing. See, that's the God who you serve. He's able to forgive. He's able to wash and to forgive the vilest sinner. Ephesians says it like this, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God saw you before the worlds were created. That's love. That's love. God knew every sin. God knew every mistake. God knew your failures. He knew every problem that you were going to have in your life. And he still chose to love you. He still chose to send his only son. See, that gives you hope today. You know what that tells you? That God's not condemning you today. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will show you that you have need, you need to be forgiven. The Holy Spirit will show you that you're going the wrong direction, but He's not here to condemn you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, you can read this verse, it's so powerful, but Paul says it like this, there is no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, you know, our problem is we have to live with ourselves, and we keep remembering our past, but God doesn't. He's forgiven you. He's forgotten. He's buried it. He's covered it with the blood of Jesus. But that dirty, rotten devil, he keeps just bringing it up. He keeps throwing fiery darts. And you keep remembering your past mistakes and talking about and looking back. And you know, you can't drive very fast and very far if you're trying to go forward looking in your rearview mirror. See, you've got to put those things behind you. Today is a new day in Christ. See, it costs God everything, it costs God everything. It was his blood. That Jesus shed from Calvary's tree. I love when I was a kid, we used to sing this song Oh, the blood of Jesus! Oh, the blood of Jesus! What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. You see, it costs God everything for you to experience forgiveness. It costs God everything. And see, when you've experienced forgiveness, Then you're able to forgive others. The dimension in which you're able to realize what you've been forgiven us, forgiven of, is the same dimension which you'll be able to forgive others. And he that's forgiven much, Jesus said, will love much. And I tell you today, I stand, I stood here in communion this morning, and just my mind ran back. I kept thinking about the story that Jesus told that there was a man who went to the temple and he thought he was special, smelled real good. Look real pretty. Had his finances all in order. Had his life all together. Man, he wasn't like all these other people. You know, the Bible says that God didn't even hear his prayer. But there was another man. He came to the temple. He was like, oh, God, I've sinned. I'm not worthy. Have mercy on me. See, he cried out for mercy. See, that man knew the depth of his sin. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he had been. He knew where he was at at that very moment. And because of what God had done for him, he knew where he was going. You see, I want you to know today, it doesn't matter where your past has been. It doesn't even matter where your present is at this moment. When you turn your eyes on Jesus and you look to the cross and you see the blood that covers and washes and makes you free, you can have a new day. You can have a new life in Christ Jesus. Someone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning put it in practical terms today God wants you to forgive God wants you to forgive who's the hardest person for you to give you know and what what in this area of bitterness and this area of unforgiveness it really in my own life I mean some of the struggles are great because there are people that I don't agree with there are people that think differently than me about situations and what I've come to realize is that sometimes I just, I'll hold unforgiveness towards those people. I wouldn't define it that way, but really that's what it is. Because they don't agree with me. They don't see the things the way that I see them. I have a hard time accepting them. I have a hard time loving them the way that Jesus loved them. So ask yourself, who are you going to offer forgiveness to this week? Third thing that we see about love, loving like Jesus loves is that I must believe in others like Jesus believes in me. I must believe in others like Jesus believes in me. How does God see you today? How does God see you? Not how you see yourself. You see you see yourself, you look in the mirror, you see your insecurities, you don't like the shape of your body, you don't like how much hair you have left, you don't like the color of your hair, the color of your skin, you don't like the shape of your nose, you don't like, the, you know, I mean, people don't like the shape of all kinds of things today, and they get them fixed, and we have all these insecurities about who you are, because you fail to see yourself the way that God sees you. You know how God sees you? He sees you as His child, and He believes in you. He totally, absolutely believes in you. He's totally confident that you can make it. He believes in you. You know, one of the greatest things that can happen in your life is to have someone love you unconditionally and really believe in you. Really believe. And and because the problem is we look at ourselves, and, man, we've got this weakness, and we can't do it this way, and we're not as good as that person, we're not as smart. and, And God says, I just believe in you. I believe in you. Psychologists tell us, it's true, psychologists tell us that one of the greatest obstacles for you to overcome is the hurtful words and things that people that you respect the very most have said to you. People that you respect, and they've said something, you know, really derogatory, something that showed that they really didn't believe that you could do it. It's very difficult for us to overcome those things. That's why people live as adults still trying to find the approval of their parent, and their parents are long gone because they felt that sense of rejection. They didn't feel accepted. They didn't believe that that person really believed in them. You see, God believes in us. As a matter of fact, God believed in 12 rascals so much. 12 guys that the world would have never chosen. They weren't the brightest. They didn't have the best education. They didn't have the most money. And as a matter of fact, they were kind of crusty. They were salty. They probably used bad language every once in a while. They didn't smell very good because they'd been hanging out with the fish. Some of them kind of, you know, they were a little slick. And they were, like, they were like the slime balls. They, they stole people's money. They were conniving. I'm not going to mention any kind of jobs because some would be offended. But, you know, they were like tax collectors. They were people that other people didn't like because of their position. They were politicians. And Jesus chooses them. And he says, my plan is to use you to revolutionize the world. My plan is to use you, two, you 12 men to revolutionize the whole world. Now the world said, no way. It's impossible. But see, Jesus had something. Jesus had the truth. And he knew the truth was that with God, all things are possible to them that believe. You see, it's not your education. It's not your own brilliance or your own ability or power or might. But it's the grace of God that flows through you. That when you begin to believe in Jesus and you begin to see yourself like Jesus sees you, you can now believe in others. I mean, I have all these verses. They're just awesome verses. There's a bunch of them. I think it's, uh, uh, let me give a couple of them to you here. Ma- Matthew chapter 17. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew chapter 21. Jesus told them, I assure you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can do these things and much, much more. Much more. Jesus wants to reverse the curse in your life. He wants to reverse the curse in your life. You see, people have spoken curses. The enemy has brought curses into your life. And the message of the good news is about reversing the curse that has come into your life. But you got to believe. you got to believe. God can do something through you. But God also wants to use you to believe in other things people. See, that's the hope of the gospel, to believe in others when no one believes in them. I read of the story this week about a young girl that was in a concert band. She played the oboe, and the director of the band asked her, and he said, young lady, I want you to play this piece, and she began to play the piece, and it was terrible. Terrible. As a matter of fact, everybody was just kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of like that person at work that always says the wrong thing, and the boss doesn't like them, and so nobody else really likes them, and they're just not, you know, it's like, you're always, a, you know, you just, you feel bad for the guy or the girl, because they're not really well liked, and, and people put them down, they make fun of them, and maybe it's at school. I mean, every place you're at, there's always people that are kind of marginal on the outside. They smell funny, they look funny, they got kind of quirky behavior, mannerisms, This girl, she couldn't play very well. And this director looked at her, and she played her piece and said, oh, that's pretty good. He said, by next week, you're going to play it perfect. They had band practice every single day, and every day she played that piece. And, you know, the rest of the guys are sitting like, ooh. But by the second day, she got a little better. And he said, you know what? Well, that sounds really good. The third day she played, and she got a little better. He goes, boy, you've really been working on that. I'm really proud of you. That, that's starting to sound really good. Fourth day, fifth day, by the time of their performance, one week later, she played the piece perfect. Do you know why she did that? Because one person believed. One person believed. So you can make a difference in someone else's life. You can believe in a child. You can believe in a young person. You can believe in a coworker. I remember years ago there was a person that my wife and I were in relationship with, and this young person, this young woman, was having a really tough time. Her husband had left her. She had three kids. I mean, her life just—I mean, she was literally left destitute on our doorstep. I mean, just destitute, and and that feeling of you know of lack of self-worth and not being loved and rejection. I mean, it was just all over life. And I remember I just had that deep sympathy, empathy, and I knew, that I knew, that I knew that this person could make it. I knew it. I just, something in me. And I remember telling them, you're going to make it. God's with you. It's not impossible. It looks impossible right now, but if God before you, who could be against you? You know, and they went to work, and at work it was challenging and hard, and they didn't think they could make it. But they'd come home, and, and, and my wife and I were, we just encouraged you. You can make it. God's with you. The promise that God made was to the orphans and to the widows. True religion, undefiled before God. And man, is to minister to the orphans and the widows. And I kept saying, you know, God's for you. You're going to make it. One year later, one year later, that individual invited my wife and I to a a celebration party at her company. And her company, I mean, for the first six months, she didn't think she was going to make it. The the bosses didn't think she was going to make it. But one year later... They made the announcement. They called her name. They brought her forward. In a company of over 80 people, she won employee or rookie of the year.
0: One year later,
1: you see, what happened? One person believed. It didn't matter what everyone said. It didn't matter what her ex-husband said. It didn't matter what anybody else said about her. You see, one person believing in another person can change the destiny of that person's life. You know what God says? I believe in you. I'm I'm your pastor. You're here today, and I want you to know that I love you. But I also believe in you. I believe that the potential that God has placed in you is unstoppable. If you will just believe, if you will just surrender, if you'll just say, God, I want to be used of you. I want to love. I want to accept. I want to forgive. And I want to believe like you believe. Guess what? The doors of your life will be open. Your life will be full. It'll be abundant. It'll be blessed. It'll be good. Today, I believe. I believe in young people. City church has committed itself missionally to reaching young people, children, and youth of this city. I so believe in young people that I believe young people have a message to preach the gospel. And today, our own Dave Stewart is going to share in our closing point on valuing people. And I want you to give a great big hand to Dave Stewart, a young man
2: that I believe in today. Thank you, Pastor. Can you give our pastor a great hand this morning? This morning as we talk about love, as we talk about what it is to love like Jesus loves, as we go through these different points, you really begin to see what love is all about. When we begin to accept others like Jesus has accepted us, when we begin to forgive others like Jesus has forgiven us, when we begin to believe in others like Jesus has believed in us, we begin to see that this love, it becomes becomes something very special, something very intimate, something very precious to us. It's the love of Jesus. And so we're going to go on to point four this morning. And it's loving like Jesus means I must value others the way Jesus values me. Value others the way Jesus values me. If you're watching on Ustream right now, you're listening to the podcast right now, you can fill that in your notes, loving, valuing others like Jesus values me. This morning, I have a question for you. How valuable are you? I want you to think about that. Soak that in. How valuable are you? Now, I'm not talking about your valuables. I'm not talking about your houses or your car or your finances or where you're at. I'm talking about how much are you worth? How much are you worth this morning? Well, in order to find that out, we need to know what determines value. What determines worth. And we see, and you'll see in your notes, we read Luke chapter 12. Jesus compares this story of sparrows. He talks about these sparrows, of of how cheap they're sold. Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs on your head. Even the lack of hairs on your head, they've all been counted. God pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. I love the message translation. You are valuable to God. You are worth, you have worth in God. And it's determined by two important things. Value is determined by two important things. The very first thing that value is determined by, it's determined by the creator or who made it. Value is determined by the creator or who made it. How many of you, uh, you when you go into a grocery store or you go into a local business and you see the store brand and you see the name brand? Now, there's a difference there, Right? Usually, the difference is the cost. Now, my wife and I have this ongoing thing where she has to have Kraft mac and cheese. Why? Because it's the cheesiest. That's 50 cents a box. If I get store brand, that's 33. I'm saving money here. You learn this kind of stuff in financial peace. You need to go to financial peace. I'm saving. It's the same exact thing. Well, no, it's not the same thing. This is worth more. Why? Because the creator, the person that has created this. Now, I'm not comparing you by no means to a box of macaroni and cheese this morning. But my point is that you are of worth. You are of value because of who created you. You are of value because of who created you. The Bible says in Genesis that God spoke. God spoke the universe into existence. He spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He spoke the trees and the birds and the animals into existence. It goes on into chapter 2, and it begins to talk about how you and how I were created. The Bible says that God formed us in his image, and he breathed the breath of life. Out of everything, God spoke into existence, but he took the time to form you and I in his image you are of great value to the creator your value is not in your riches is not in your in your status in the community or your workplace your value is established in the one who created you god the king of kings and the lord of lords the second thing i want you to see this morning is that your value your value depends on what someone is willing to pay. What someone is willing to pay for Have you ever tried to sell something? Have you ever tried to sell something and you just realized that people weren't willing to pay what you thought it was worth? You know, going through this financial peace class, Dave Ramsey suggests selling extra things that you have and getting rid of it. And some of the things that I thought were very valuable were not as valuable as, they, as I thought they should have been to other people. And so we you, you run into this struggle of, 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 you know, trying to figure out what the cost, what's, how, how is this valuable to me, how is this valuable to someone else. I want you to know this morning that Jesus paid it all. Just as Pastor was speaking a little bit before about the sacrifice, about what Christ had done for us on the cross, Jesus paid it all. The Bible declares in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. There is a consequence, there is a wage, there is something, there is a debt that happens, there is something that results. It's a wage that needs to be paid. What is it worth? It was worth Jesus Christ coming in the form of a human being, giving his life, sacrificing everything so that you and I can have the gift of eternal life, the greatest gift in all the world, in all creation, being one with our Father in heaven. Your value is determined by your creator and what someone is willing to pay for it. Jesus paid it all. You see, the reason that you're here this morning, the reason that we sit in this building this morning, It's because someone was willing to pay for you. Someone was willing to pay it for you. You know, some of you may be in here because you had a praying parent. You had a praying mother. You had a praying father. You had someone interceding for you. You may have had a fasting wife or a fasting husband. Someone believing for you to be saved. It may have been a dedicated friend. Someone who modeled Christ for you. And you're here today because they led you to the Lord. You may be here today because someone prayed, they fasted, and they gave towards missions. They gave to a local church who was able to do an outreach and go out and pass out bottled waters and share God's love because they were able to go into a business place and scrub a toilet and share God's love by meeting simple and practical needs of people. You're here today because someone paid the way. His name was Jesus. That's why we do it. It's all about Jesus. When we accept others like Jesus accepted them. When we forgive others like Jesus forgave us. When we believe in others like Jesus believed in us. When we value others and place importance on what Jesus uh, places importance. When we value others like Jesus values us. Love is expressed. We see this begin to happen. And this week we have an opportunity... To love like Jesus. To value others like Jesus. To value others like he values us. You see this table up here? This represents one nation out of many, many nations all across the world. This represents the nation of Haiti. There are thousands and thousands of people that are represented on the island. As you look across this room, just look across this room. There are flags representing many different nations. People from many tribes and different tongues all across the world. And you have an opportunity... To not only accept, not only forgive, not only believe, not only, you, you have an opportunity to value those people. As we go into this Missions Convention Week, you have an opportunity to be a witness and to value others and express love to people literally around the globe. You right now at 650 East Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida, you have an opportunity to bring God's love to someone in another country. This Wednesday, this Wednesday, we're having a combined service youth, children, adults, everyone together. Rick Ryan will be speaking with Convoy of Hope on one day to feed the world. You heard me say it earlier, I'll say it again. 20,000 people die every day from hunger. How much food have you thrown away in the last week? We have an opportunity to be a blessing literally across the globe. That night we're believing for people to be called into the mission field. We're believing for life uh, to happen and transformation to happen in the hearts of young people and adults. Listen, if you're an adult in here today, it's not over yet. God still wants to use you. He can use you. He can, the love, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the belief that he has poured into you, you can use that to be a blessing to other people. Saturday night we're having a prayer missions focus, 5.30, 6.30, one hour. Will you come out and join us be a part pray for our missionaries We currently have 11 foreign mission or 12 foreign missionaries that we support around the world that's not including churches and local ministries all around this, uh, all around the United States, but we are a blessing to those different people and we, I am believing by 2010 we're going to double our support in missions. Can you believe that with me? It's my prayer and my goal. We have calls from missionaries and churches every day asking for us to be a part. It's my goal to not... Turn one of them down after we prayerfully consider what the Lord would have us to do. I would like to support missionaries. We as a church would like to support missionaries across the globe. It's what we've been called to do. It's the Great Commission. Join with us and be a part of that during this Missions Convention Week. That Sunday morning, we're going to be taking faith promises. We're going to be asking you to give on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis to missionaries literally around the world. It's a great opportunity. You may not be able to go to Africa, but you may be able to send a missionary to Africa and one day when you get to heaven, you're walking on the streets of gold and you have someone walk up to you and they look at you and say thank you because of you because of what you did at your church because of that money that you sowed into that missionary i got a bible i read the bible i felt the love of jesus i experienced the love of jesus this is me this is my family this is what happened because someone was willing to go and someone was able to send them to go you have an opportunity to do that that sunday night we're having our taste of the world We're asking you to come out and experience the taste of the world. We're asking you to prepare a traditional dish from your country, wherever you come from. Someone asked me if I can do a Big Mac because they're from America. I would not suggest that. Where are your roots? That's a real question. Someone asked me that. No Big Macs, all right. Prepare a traditional dish and bring it. We want to sample. We want to taste the world, not only just food, but we want to experience different cultures. This is all to enhance our perspective of what God desires to do in city church and around the world. And so we're asking that you come out that night. We have Jeff Jones with Teen Challenge, a local ministry here. He's going to come. He's going to minister and speak. And then we have the Teen Challenge Rally Choir. Guys, I'm telling you, these men are phenomenal. They have incredible testimonies. Come out. Be a part of that. Listen to what God's doing in the lives of men and families that have been impacted by the gospel of Christ. We have Derek and Esther Sandberg, missionaries to Africa. They're right out of City Church. Come, be a part. See what God's doing in the nation of Africa. Listen, our goal, our desire is to go into all the nations. The Bible declares in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He loved the world. Join us this week as we celebrate and focus on missions let's show god's love and value for others through our giving and prayerful support of missionaries to africa of missionaries to kazakhstan of missionaries to australia and around the world will you be a part will you join with us and share god's love to a world that so desperately needs it god bless you thank you so much
0: thanks for listening to this message Loving Like Jesus Loves Me with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith along with Missions Pastor David Stewart. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.